Hey, one more thing before you go. Are UFO abductions real? Is there life beyond Earth? How do we cope with the paranormal or extraterrestrial encounters that we might have? In this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, I am joined by Gloria Haas, who will share her extraordinary experiences from being visited by little green men in her childhood bedroom to participating in the Gray Hybrid Program and meeting other star people. Don't worry, we'll get into all that. I'm your host, Michael R. Hurst, and if you are fascinated by the paranormal or extraterrestrial, you won't want to miss this episode. Join us as we delve into Gloria's remarkable experiences and discuss what they could mean for all of us. Gloria has has a lifetime of encounters. She's a visionary starseed hybrid. She's a natural-born clairvoyant and a gifted healer of both people and horses. I'm really interested in that one, too. Her mediumship abilities include remote viewing, remote touching, hearing conversations, and having interactions with spirits through visions and dreams. There's going to be a great conversation. Gloria's experiences have multidimensional contact, including intimate interactions with gray extraterrestrials and contacts with other alien species. As a forensic visionary, Gloria has even helped law enforcement and families find their missing loved ones. She's an award-winning, best-selling author with over 30 books to her name, including My Journey as a Gray Hybrid. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. I'm excited about having our conversation. There's so much we could talk about. We could sit here for a week, I guess. <laughs> Can we take potty breaks and food breaks if we do? Absolutely. I'm at that age where, yes, that's that's necessity. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, necessity, necessity. Uh, well, listen, you, your life uh, has been like a, a remarkable aspect of all kinds of paranormal and supernatural. And I think the fact that you're experiencing from both, both of those arenas makes you a very unique individual. So I, I can't wait to kind of delve into it. Great. Let's get started. Let's do it. Let's start with where'd you grow up? I grew up in California in the Mojave Desert, and I that's when I first started having my first UFO and low green men encounters, and lived there till my sophomore year of high school, and then we moved up to the central coast of California. So what was your family like? Non-supportive, um, very abusive, extremely abusive both my mom, my dad, and my half-brother. I do understand that. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family myself. Both my parents were alcoholics, so I can relate to a certain extent in regard to that. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Uh, did you go to university? No, I did not. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then, because my I had a learning disorder, I wasn't able to comprehend mathematics very well, so I needed to find something else, which you know actually broke my heart. But then I got to thinking, could I actually inject a needle into an animal before, you know, to relieve its pain? And I realized that any, using anything like that on an animal would just tear up my heartstrings. So I would rather have opted out of being a veterinarian. That I, I am an animal lover and an advocate myself. I'm a vegan, and uh, as well, and I, I respect that. I, it's very difficult for me to. I mean, I love to help, like my my little Shih Tzu down here sitting at my feet. You know, we we love our animals. We want their family, so we want to make sure we take care of them correctly. But I respect you know where you came from. What did you do for a living, mask? Well. Because I opted out of veterinarian and I wanted to be in the Navy, only I couldn't pass the physical due to some abnormalities in body structure that I had, as well as um, some uh, not being able to do the, you know, the physical education part, like hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with to be a police officer. Yep. 
And so it was like, what am I going to do? So I went um, to college for a few years and I wanted to be a social worker. And I'm glad I didn't because I see how broken that whole system is. I'd have just been a paper pusher. But I ended up in secretarial sciences, administrative assistant, and helped in marketing department and a couple of uh, businesses. That's an admirable career. My wife has uh, started off as an administrative assistant, and now she's a, a, a this four years ago. Wow, five years ago. Time flies. She's now she worked her way up to an education specialist with the state. So well done, well done, good job. Um, it's a hard job. It is. It is, and I respect I respect the individuals that do it. It's uh, you know I I have not done that work. No, but uh, my wife and I have been together for 34 years. And of that 34 years, that primarily was her career. So, um, yeah, I respect where you came from. Thank you for doing that. Uh, let's talk about, <coughs> you've had some amazing experiences, especially from a young age. I know you said that uh, you first started having some um, UFO experiences when you were in uh, Mojave Desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? How, what was your first experience? Uh, my first experience was a UFO. I was walking down the street with one of my girlfriends, and we saw half a horse laying on it. We saw a horse looked like it was laying on its side. And she said, stop for a minute. And it's like, what? And then she said, look ahead. And not that far from my house was a horse laying on its side. looked like a horse laying on its side. It actually had been laser cut. <laughs> And it didn't have any eyes that had been actually dismembered. And then after we had gotten our, our moms and they thought we were playing a prank because the horse then ended up disappearing, only there was an outline in, on the ground of horse. It looked like it was dried blood. Then my mom said she needed time to cool off with this little prank and wait a few minutes to come in the house. So I looked up i heard look up and i looked up into the sky and there was a silver ufo whirling above the tree just above the tree line above me and i looked at it and i said out loud what did this horse ever do to you to deserve this and that launched my visitation not long after that of the little green men and that's interesting because you how old were you did you say i was probably between eight and nine years old i'm not sure eight nine years Around. old and and yeah, that didn't startle you when you looked up and saw uh, a flying saucer above. It looked the, normal to me. Looked normal to you. That's interesting. I mean, I know as as kids, unfortunately, society and cultures have uh, taken kids what they feel is a vivid, wild imagination and suppress it in in the majority of society and culture today, as we know, where they say that wasn't true, that's not possibility, and. You're just seeing things or you have an imaginary play friend kind of a thing. And they were taught not to believe that. We're taught that that doesn't exist for, for whatever reason, you know, within society, societal rules. Um, how did you overcome that? How did you start to recognize that this was, in fact, real, even at that young age, that this was, in fact, real, and that you said, like you said, it was normal? Um because I saw it, I believed it, I knew it happened. And therefore, why did it, even if people telling me not to, my parents just said, we won't talk about that. And I'm just, that's how they approached everything. We just won't discuss it. So I didn't talk to anyone, but my dolls, my dolls believed me. And when, even when the little green men came to visit in my room and moved my bed and my, I woke up with, cut marks, bruises on my arms and my legs. My mom's like, I'm going to call you clumsy. What are you bumping into? And I said, no, mom, there's these little green men who come into my room with long, long nails and they scratch at me and they pull my hair. And my dad, my mom and my brother just started laughing and they would move my bed, those big, heavy oak looking beds. And I can't move it. My mom couldn't move it. So she wanted to know how, you know, to stop. She said, stop moving your bed. I said, I'm not moving it. And all they did was laugh at me. 
And all I ended up doing was crying. And then another time my bed was moved, I asked my brother to help me. And he just started laughing, saying, you are really stupid. Why are you moving it? You moved it out. Now you can't move it back. And then my mom had to come help me again because my brother refused. And then, you know, the, my brother, even up until he died, would even laugh and said, yeah, I used to say, my bed is moving, my bed is moving, and just laugh at me. People can be cruel. Yes. People can be cruel. But within this, within this context, it sounds to me like um, there was frequent visitations in regard to that, that they continued to come back down and see you. Correct. They they did. I well to a small child, you know, a few months seems like a year. So I really don't know the time span. But one night, the lady in white who looked like the Virgin Mary stood in my doorway. She opened my door because my parents. I wouldn't sleep with the light off. I had to have a light on, so they had the hall light on, and had my door. You know, with you know, it was still open about that much trying to find the webcam and about that much to let in enough light. And I remember one night my door opening and I sat up, grabbed my blankets up around my chin, was up against the headboard and I was scared. And she said, don't be afraid. And this was telepathically. She's like, don't be afraid. Those little green men will never bother you again. And they haven't. She took care of them. From that perspective, that's interesting. Now, I know that we talk about, it. well, your book is about a gray hybrid. So mm -hmm. do, tell, help us understand what you say little green men is used as a metaphor, or was there a difference between the gray and the green? Big difference between the gray and the green. And some people say that they think they see green, but they're really the gray Roswells, but they're completely different very vastly different. The little green men were ugly, had big bulging round eyes, similar to that you would see on a fish. The long, extremely long nails, similar to the fingers that Johnny Depp played in scissor, Ed, was it Edward Scissorhands? Edward Scissor's hands. Yep, and that's what they look like. And they scratched me up. Now the grays don't have fingernails. And even though the little green men was like two feet high, the grays are start around three to four feet. They're gray, their skin is very smooth. They have punk um, like suction cups on the end of their fingers. And they have the big black eye, the big black lenses on their eyes that we are used to seeing in pictures. And their skin is smooth. That's really that's fascinating actually. Um, through your processes in regard to meeting both, um, mm -hmm. was there any particular reason why they had picked you or chosen you? Other than, I mean, the first one may have been because you you were brave enough to yell at them for for what they did to the horse, which I commend you for. I I was a I was a horse patrolman. I love horses. I grew up with oh. horses, so I would yell at them too. <laughs> And I loved horses, so I don't know who was in the spaceship, to be quite honest. I just talked to whoever it was, and they may have been the little green men who came to taunt me and and everything. But with the greys, I knew as starseed, we are from the stars, and we are implanted through impregnation into a woman's body while she's pregnant or into a deceased child or deceased baby, mine is what my mother gave birth to a stillborn child. And she said that for five minutes, I didn't breathe. And when the doctor was about to pronounce me dead, he said, one more time, and I'm going to spank the baby. And if it doesn't, if she doesn't cry, then I'm going to pronounce her dead. So I was brought into a child that was already stillborn. So it's not like I booted somebody else's spirit or soul out and said, I'm coming in, I'm taking charge. It's no, it was just a completely, you know, different way. And I even knew when I was older, when Star Trek was out, I, um, we had, my dad had built, I was digging a doughboy swimming pool in the backyard. And he had had a really bad heart. He had a heart attack and wasn't able to proceed. So my brother and I played Star Trek 
and we, you know, toured the galaxy. My brother knew that he was adopted, but I don't know if he knew that we shared the same mom. Um, our parents lied to him that he said he wasn't adopted. And one time we were in the backyard playing, we had permission to do this. And we were in there and my brother, I asked my brother, where are we going today? He said, I'm going to go out there and find my family. And I said, well, I want to go find mine too. He goes, no, you belong here. I said, this is not my family. You're not really my brother. I was brought into this family. My family is out among in the galaxy among the stars. And I mean, he, I thought I was safe enough to be able to share that with him at, up to this point, you know, a few years later, after the little green men incident, only I wasn't. And he just looked at me and goes, you're crazy and I'm not playing with you anymore. And then after he went into the house, I just stood there and looked into the hole, became a hole, it, it stopped being a spaceship to me at that point. And I looked up in the sky and I said, don't you want me? Am I stuck here? Can I please come back? That's, um, that's a heck of a story from that perspective. And how old were you? Um, I was a teenager. It was when Star Trek had come on, on board. And I realized that I related a lot to Spock, mm, who is half Vulcan and half human. Yeah, I um I grew up with Star Trek as well and um love Star Trek. In fact, I think to a point these days we're living a lot of Star Trek. It it's a lot of the the my iPad, my iPhone, you, you know, that kind of thing I think came out of was born out of Star Trek. I think Gene Roddenberry had a special connection in regard he was a cop when he when he wrote Star Trek and he said he did it while he was working midnight shifts. And we all know that Usually after midnight, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. And for him to bring that to the world in the way that he did and everything about it, I think that uh, he may have had some encounters himself that he really didn't talk about that uh, kind of formulated everything, Star Trek and the different alien um, uh, aliens throughout the universe, basically, in, in interacting. Um, yeah, brilliant that you bring up Star Trek. I find that's pretty cool, actually. I believe that he also had encounters. It was just too good to be true. And and now that thing, as things yeah. unfold throughout my life, I remember asking my dad, I just to, just to feel things out, I said, do you think these aliens could be real? My dad did not believe in aliens and UFOs. He said, it's just all fiction. He said, I said, but Gene Roddenberry wrote it. He said he had a very vivid imagination. That goes back to the societal... Uh societal restrictions and the cultures that we've got that literally try to tell us that what we're seeing, what we're experiencing is really not real. It's a vivid imagination or is made up or it's science fiction. And, you know, that's, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to distract too much from our conversation, but I find it very, very interesting that the new web telescope is sending back these amazing pictures of the universe. But if you go back through history, you'll see art in pictures of people who were painting the universe, yeah. and they painted those. Yes. They painted just those, those scenes that we are seeing on photographs being sent by Webb telescope. These people had visions of or had visited for whatever reason, and, and they put them down on paper before Webb telescope came out. So I believe that many people have had encounters and visitations, but a lot of people are quiet about it because of societal views. Yeah, exactly. When's the first time that you uh, do? You, when's the first time that you remember? Were you ever taken aboard a ship? I grew up as an extraterrestrial aboard a ship. I remember being there um, on the different in the different um, areas with the grays. I remember being around a lot of other grays when I was younger. And there was a massive group of us. I also remember the uh, time travel that I did through 
from from ship to land, back from a portal, back to the ship. And being in my room on board the ship as an extraterrestrial, when they said, you know, are you ready to go now? When it was my time to come to be here. But I also remember other workstation things and technology. And then I also, as an adult in my 20s, remember my abductions and being impregnated and implanted with alien children. That, I mean, interesting memories that you, that you have brought back with you and that you retain. I know that in a lot of other abduction stories that um, I, and people that I've spoken with, and, and of course, I, my wife and I watch documentaries constantly in regard to the paranormal and supernatural, fascinated by all, all aspects of it. Um, in regard to that, I know that uh, a lot of individuals who are abducted, their memories are wiped. And do you, any particular reason why yours was not and you were allowed to retain those? Do you know? Did they tell you? There are some things I don't remember. Um, there are some abductions like from Bigfoot that I don't remember having. There are some of the nasty aliens who abducted me. I remember being hit with a, a beam from a spaceship and one of the people where I live saw it. And I don't remember what happened during that time. I just remembered that the after effects was that I could see through walls into people's homes. See, and yeah, cool. it was interesting. It's like, cool. oh my gosh, that lasted for about 20 minutes. I said, please take this away because I valued my privacy as well as other people's privacy. I don't want to in intrude. And the same with remote viewing. I know that I can tap into anyone's life at any given time to see what's going on. Only I don't because I value privacy very well. And to me, that would be an intrusion. I wouldn't want somebody coming and right. tapping into mine, which I know they do because I can sense it. But I, I just don't want to do that. But in regards to other memories, I, it's like watching a movie show at times. But, and then at other times, I, I believe that there are reasons why they wipe the memories of some and not of the others, but it seems to be the collective memory that everyone has similar experiences so that we won't feel like we are alone in the universe. Well, you had, you had mentioned starseed people and there was other starseed people. Mm -hmm. So you kind of touched on the principle of starseed. So mm -hmm. can you help us understand a little better, a little more about that? Like the, uh, what is starseed and and you said there's others that you have met. How did you meet uh, another starseed person? And how did you know that it was that kind of person? I, it was interesting because I was on um, a business call with, an, with a woman who runs a business. And I was explaining a few things. And she knew a woman who had a Facebook group with starseeds. So that is how I met them. And also I started joining a few UFO paranormal uh, groups and started friending, befriending people and in private conversations found out if they're a starseed or just an experiencer, someone who's only had an experience. So people have, who have not come out yet, you know, have told me that, you know, I'm of, you know, the same race you are you know, the uh, actually called beings, species, you know, the same extraterrestrial spe species of the greys, which are also known as the zeta reticulans. And there are some who are of the reptilians who have come out about it. And I've also seen documentaries. And one woman sent me a message this morning that she is of the Bigfoot extraterrestrials, plus a few others. It's, they are cross-cultural cultural just like we are like the extraterrestrial mate that i had he is a gray and a sasani mix so my children are human and gray and sasani mix and that is how i have met them and also by coming out with my story with my book i have met a few others who have said thank you for writing your book i'm glad that you wrote what you did and i can relate and thank you. 
Do you think that they um, just just from a from a I guess a uh, a curiosity perspective? Did it, it, these individuals I'm assuming communicate with you telepathically? Mm-hmm. They don't have a verbal communication, correct? No, it's all verbal. With the people here on Earth, we have a verbal communication. And there is a time, there is one person who I know, it's like, you have a message from them, go and look on Facebook. And there are times where I get alerted ahead of time. I don't know if it's the person's energy or if I'm just picking up the energy telepathically that they're in need or in help of some things. From that perspective. Um, how many different uh, species are out there that you're aware of? I would say millions. Millions. That, I mean, that's a lot. And, you know, it blows me away that people are so close-minded that they insist that there's nothing else out there. And they insist that there's... But in the vastness of this universe, and as large as this universe is, and now we know that there are other adjacent universes to us, the possibility of life being out there has obviously, you know, the, the, the possibility is present. I mean, if you're logical, you're an intelligent individual and you understand that we can't be the only ones here. You know, it kind of blows me away that people still insist that there's nothing past our earth and that we are the only ones here. Um, I think that, (coughs) do you run into any kind of, uh, Issues with that when you have conversations or when you have spoken to other individuals within these groups? Have you run into any back, uh, backlash or anything along that line? Yes, I have. There are people who have not been an experiencer who want to tell you the proper way to say things because that is how they think it should be said. And yeah, as opposed to other people who have not had experiences who just want to write these books to kick anyone else out because they want to be in the limelight. So they go ahead and badmouth them on social media. So I've come across that. I've left one group on social media because I got tired of being told, you know, people just being told that I was stupid. I didn't know anything. I made up my story. And I just need to move on with life and find another way to get attention. That's just unfortunate, very unfortunate in regard to that. Uh, You mentioned earlier something about the reptilians. I had a conversation here on the podcast a couple of different times where people were talking about the reptilian race and how there are reptilian hybrids here on Earth with us that walk among us. And they had brought up to me that um, at least from their perspective of what their knowledge was and what they were aware of is that the there's there's like in any society there's good and there's evil there's good people there's bad people I was a cop I was a good person I picked up bad guys you know it's just inevitable within the universe I'm just, that still applies correct you have good guys you have bad guys you have the good you have the evil right and not all like you said, there are reptilians, there are good reptilians and bad reptilians, good grays, bad grays. My oldest son is a bad gray. My two, um, my daughter and my youngest son are good grays. So it, it all, you know, it depends. My brother and I were born on this earth. He decided that he wanted to deal illegal drugs and take them. I didn't do it. So it's all matter of choice of what side we want to take, where we want to go. And there's destruction in all, in all species, whether they're human or, or what we call extraterrestrials. I know earlier you had made um, mention that uh, you had been impregnated um, mm-hmm. by extraterrestrials and, and um, the children that you're talking about. Is that the product of that impregnation? Of three impregnations, yes. I was, my first pregnancy was with a human child and I ended up having a miscarriage in my third, in my third month going into my fourth month. And that was a problem pregnancy due to endometriosis. But what's interesting is while 
a human sperm did not jive with my makeup, the grays did. It being impregnated by them, I had three good pregnancies, even though here on earth, why would I miscarry in my second and fifth month? That is, you know, this is the incubation time, then they take the child if they're going to take the child from the, the mother and put it up in the ship into the, a different environment of how they're going to be raised. And I, we have seen things like that. We've seen, I've seen some documentaries that talk about that and, and kind of imply that and show that, that, um, you know, they have like a, uh, uh, without being, not, not trying to sound cold or cruel, but like the person in the documentary was saying, it's almost like a, a child factory up in the ship. And, you know, it, within your experiences, did you happen to notice or feel that that's kind of kind of what takes place when you had your three pregnancies? Were they taken from you and then brought back? My first two pregnancies, well, all three were taken from me and then were brought back to Earth. So up until October of last of 2022, I thought I miscarried all of my children. And then when it came time, when they told me last summer to write my book my, about being a gray hybrid, I didn't want to. So I started it in fiction form. And then October 2022, they told me, you need to write the truth. This is part of your purpose here. Now you need to get this done now. And it was fully impressed upon me, which I did. And in the process, I learned that I had three, um, you know, live births according, you know, but they were raised on ship and I did meet my son and my daughter on board ship in a very neutral, safe feeling environment. And in, in regard to you, were you uh, part of the same process? I know you said that you were a starseed, that you were implanted in the dead baby. Is that similar to the same process? How did that work? You know, I never thought of it. <laughs> I always thought that I was born as a small, you know, gray. And, you know, the gray women, they can get pregnant. So am I part of a process from years ago that impregnated my extraterrestrial mother. I don't know. I've never even thought about that, to be quite honest. Oh, see, well, hopefully you won't call me at three in the morning and say, hey, I got an answer for you. <laughs> no, I'll put it in a future book I'm writing. <laughs> uh, uh, we can do that. Just <laughs> say, Michael, you're, you're in this book. Look it up. <laughs> It will answer your question. Um, um, <clears throat> in regard to uh, your, your uh, as an adult, have you been uh, taken up to a board a ship any time in, you know, within your adulthood, other than the impregnation portions of it, have you been taken up on a ship before? Yes, I have. Um, not that long ago, too. And... I've been abducted by Bigfoot um, a couple of times and came back with markings. And there's some, I remember that abduction, but I don't remember some other abductions where I come back with bruises and markings. Yeah, the thing but with Bigfoot, I, it, it's interesting because they, I've heard that theory before about them being from another planet and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I find it, I find it ironic that, that uh, Chewbacca looks a lot like Bigfoot. He does. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, where did that come from? And you start thinking, well, maybe Spielberg, not Spielberg, um, Lucas, maybe Lucas went someplace that we're not aware of, you know, because I always thought about that. Every time I see a thing about Bigfoot, and then I hear that similarity, and then if you look at Chewbacca and the creation of Chewbacca, they look pretty much the same. Yeah, and Jabba the Hutt also looks like some of the extraterrestrials I've seen. So it, it's, yeah, it's all I, there. Yeah, see, it, it, you know you know that they had to have been somewhere. You, the, the creators of these, they had to have been somewhere, just like Gene Roddenberry. You know, I, I've been a Star Trek fan since the beginning. 
I am still a Star Trek fan. I'm still a Star Wars fan, too. Everybody goes, well, you can't be both. Well, yeah, you can be both. Yeah, you it's can. Okay. <laughs> you can be both. It's all right. It's, it, is, it is really fascinating to me as these progress and these new revelations start coming out. It, well, like with, this, with, the, with the Webb telescope, and you start looking at these absolutely stunningly beautiful photographs of the universe out there and what exists. And then coming from my, I, I went back to school after I left the police department. I got a, a, a master's degree in inter, interdisciplinary studies with a focus on digital media, performance, and art. I, I could go back and look at art pieces where they, people have drawn, drawn that, painted that. And I kind of go, oh, now I see a connection. And then that gets me really excited because I see that connection. You can't see my hands moving around, but they're moving around all over the place here. I see that connection. And when I see that connection, it's kind of go, that just validates that there is more to this universe and that there are people that really know about it. Yeah. Well, look at um, Spielberg. He was approached and given Project Blue Book to do Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Exactly. That's why it is so lifelike. Exactly, exactly. And it brought, uh, not Sicknick, what is his name? Um, Kelnick? The guy who was in charge of Project Blue Book. Kelnick? Kelnick. No. I, I, don't remember. I don't remember. Well, the guy, the guy that was running Project Blue Book, the, the scientist, the non-military guy, half of that, he came on to, to Close Encounters as a consultant. To help them to you know put that all together for the, the 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 spacecraft and the landing of the spacecraft and so forth. So yeah, that's <coughs> yes, that's something that that every time I see that connections that come about like that, it just gets me more excited and fascinated for the fact that you know the possibility of what's out there actually does exist, and that you just have to open your eyes and open your ears and, and just listen a little bit and and hopefully you know get an get an experience so that you can understand it as well fascinating so I, i'm sorry i as you can see i get really excited about this <clears throat> no need to apologize <laughs> but i want to point out that even though our u.s government has said for many years that extraterrestrials did not exist there was no project blue book then here they approach Spielberg to start leaking this information out into the public little by little. Well, he did ET. Yeah. You no, know, he did. He did the um, the. I can't remember. Was he? Was he still part of Star Wars in the beginning? I wonder if it was George I think Lucas. he was in the beginning. I think. Yeah, he was. I think it was. Yeah. So you got that along with Lucas, you know, and and it it is. It just has to be between close encounters of a third kind and and et and you know there's got to be i think that was our subtle way to kind of say well yeah here you go we understand what you're seeing and what you're feeling and what you're doing and this will give you some validation to what's really there which is kind of you know kind of cool um let's talk a little bit about if you don't mind i know that we've got we've got uh, so much we should talk we need to talk about um but so little time. Uh, let's talk about your, I know that you, you're clairvoyant, mm -hmm. medium. Yes. And in regard to that, when did you first um, learn that you were clairvoyant in, or medium? In, and do you think that's a direct relation to, to where you come from? I believe it is a direct relation from where I come from. And when did I realize I was first clairvoyant? I didn't even know. It was natural to me to to know and remote see what is in you know down the road a couple of miles also when i was in grade school one of my classmates older brother went missing and i remember we were going down the street and i was in the back seat my parents were driving and i looked out the window and i saw him plain as day right there outside the car as the car was going by and saw him and he looked at me well, I told my parents about it after we got home, they called the family and I told them what I saw. Well, when the son eventually showed up a few weeks later and his parents asked him about, you know, what he looked like and he denied it. 
but he was standing there and he could not look me in the face and say, you know, he, he, could, he couldn't even keep eye contact with me. And I got in trouble for lying and causing a family distress. But what I saw was he was on drugs, which could now, you know, to, in, unless you've done many years of knowing that there are different meanings to what you see, that could have meant he's in a very bad state and not necessarily on drugs. But when he was asked about it, he couldn't look at me, said, look how healthy he looks. He had been home. You know, he cleaned up. I don't know if he was or wasn't, but I saw that he was and in horrible looking clothing, which then ended up, I believe that was sixth grade. So his, the, my classmate went and said all these things that I lied. He was just trying to get attention. So none of my classmates spoke to me for the remainder of the year or that summer. But going into seventh grade, going to a different school, things opened up, made new friends, you know, from other schools that we all got, other um, elementary schools where we all got together. And some of my older classmates, you know, started, you know, coming back on board and just a few, you know, befriending me some more. But to me, all that was normal. But when... (laughs) The really interesting part is, you know, I, I've levitated because of where I've come from. I could move objects or I used to be able to turn the water on and off when I thought about it. I haven't done that in so, a long time. I elevated when I walked, levitated when I walked, but people at work started questioning it and where I went dancing started questioning it. So I trained myself not to you know, levitate anymore to where my brain doesn't know how to do that function anymore. I've tried working on it and I can feel that I want to rise up. So I might work on it some more now that I have a little bit more time on my hands. And October of 2020, of October of 2020, I remember hearing, you know, I've seen demons, I've, I've seen aliens, I've seen angels. I've, to me, all of that is normal. I've heard angels sing and I've been in the heavenlies. So to me, these are all normal experiences. And it's like, someone told me, well, not everyone has them. I'm like, well, why not? To me, they're like an everyday occurrence that other people can. But getting back to October, 2020, I heard go on Facebook. I had just gotten off the computer. I'm like, I don't want to go back on the computer. So I went on Facebook and there came up a cold case of, of a young woman from who is a relative of a Facebook friend of mine. And I started seeing images on the picture. I remember years ago, I was in a, um, a dating service many years ago and I paid money for it, a real dating service. And I saw the man's picture and I could knew that I was supposed to marry him. Oh, did I know he was of witchcraft? And that was an interesting experience in itself. But, you know, I've been around people who've been delivered from demons and stuff. So I've not really been afraid of any of it. But getting back to the person's picture, I could see what happened. And then there was a number to call. I wrote all my images down, called the police department. Come to find out the police officer, the detective in charge, was praying and asking for help on this cold case. And I was able to help on a few others. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that that in itself is a gift because it gives people closure. You know, you work on a case as a cop, you work on a case, you do it because you care. And, you know, cops are cops because 98 or 99% of cops are cops because they want to be there to protect and serve. They want to be there for other people. I did it to protect and serve. I did it because I love doing my job from that perspective. So, you know, helping people close cold cases, getting closure for the families is like um, stellar. I help this one. I do it because I'm called to do it, but I find that I enjoy it because I like helping people. And I remember talking with this one woman on the phone and she said, please don't announce this. I don't want everyone to know where my mother is. Her mother had long passed. Mm 
She said, only I want to know. I don't want people rushing up to where she is. And I said, okay, I can do that. And it had been like 40 years. So the evidence of bone, bones start deteriorating at the 30 year mark. And by the 50 year mark, they're mostly dust. They're just, it's just dust. And I had explained to her what had happened and how it happened and visions that I had and she, where she was drowned. And she said, that's interesting because that's the lake my mother used to take me as a child to play. So she was wow. taken back to where um, she was put under water and drowned. And then, the, you know, I, I, I'm glad I can give families closure, but I do my best to be caring and, and compassionate right. when I speak with them because I cry with them that their family member actually met the way, this way of, of their demise. Right. It, it, it's not pretty to see. And then when I'm asked about a case and I see that here are the children and their conversations and can write it down verbatim. And then I see how one, how they killed the father. And then after he's dead, they chop him with an ax that has me in the bathroom over the toilet with dry heaves. I mean, it's, you, you, keep, you watch it on bones. Yes, it is. Yeah. You watch this stuff happening on bones and people like it. But when it comes time to actually hearing about it, they're like, oh, that's gross. I said, well, you can watch it on something they think is fictional. Right. And actually it's happening in real life. Yeah, that's, that's the, the advantage that I've had in law enforcement is seeing the worst in people and the best people at their worst. You know, uh, the the deaths, the suicides, the, um, the homicides, et cetera. All of that is the reality of society. And, you know, people get to watch it on TV and they and because it's fictionalized, but once you're up close to it or you see it for yourself or you experience it, it leaves a deep impact within our soul. I think that it just kind of grabs a hold of it and, and, and sometimes doesn't let go. I still see visions of certain people that I investigated that committed suicide or were found deceased. And it just, um, it, it holds on to you just a little bit. So, uh, thank you for giving people closure in regard to that. I'm glad that you're able to use those gifts to help people move forward from that, no matter how hard it happens to be, you know, closure is important for certain circumstances. Closure is what gets somebody past that and able to, start grieving, get through their grief, and move on. So I appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. And these visions don't just come with the cases. Recently, I had a vision of a woman who has been kidnapped. She's being human trafficked. And I'm writing all of this down, and I have teamed up with a retired detective who is a captain, and he has his own podcast to where when I get, to where when I get enough um, images and visions together, we're going to do a special show on it. So that way he has a larger audience than I do on my podcast, Life of a Visionary, to where it can get a larger audience and hopefully, you know, be seen. And there are some things he will tell me that I can and cannot say because it could be obstructing justice. And I don't want to do that. Well, I, I mean, I understand that perspective from the, from You're the muted. things you... I had a cough. I had to mute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> okay. I do understand the perspective of uh, keeping the integrity of the investigation in place because a lot of times there are certain aspects that law enforcement, I'm not defending this person, but understanding it from the law enforcement side. You know, you want to keep the integrity of the investigation in place because if you're actually going after somebody and you're trying to close in on them, you don't want to always give them the opportunity to know that you know because then they they run and, and then they run it's harder and more difficult to catch them um i do understand that from that perspective but i still think i still think you might be able to offer something that would bring value to the people who are associated with that case whether it be family members friends or or whatever the case may be or the investigators that would be invaluable to them 
to help close that case or to bring it to closure. Exactly. Knowing who the killers are, like in the one case, it was the children. And in another case, it, they asked me, I gave information that was never released to the public. So that's how they know either she's in on the case or she's truly a clairvoyant. And that's how some of it goes. And I can tell them surroundings, possible locations and go that way. Um, talking about surroundings and locations, I know that you, you say that uh, you, you talk, you uh, hear and talk to spirits. Do you, mm-hmm. do you see spirits as well, or do you just hear and talk to them? I know I've had numerous conversations with other individuals that uh, some of them could see, just see mm-hmm. them. Some of them could see and hear them. Others could just hear them. From your perspective, how, how do you handle spirits? I kind see, of, hear, and feel them. Uh, I've had one woman's spirit clothe over my body wow. to get my attention and because she was a very shy person. And another time I would, I would call and then I could see them. And uh, in another time, I saw an Indian chief standing in my bedroom. That would be a little, uh, <laughs> that would be a little, uh, what the hell? <laughs> It's like, okay, why am I here? And here, help my people. And another time I woke up, I, I heard some noise and my dog was getting restless and they're sitting on the floor of my bedroom is the Indian chief giving thanks and praise up to God when I said that I would help. So I, I well, do. That's got to make you feel good. Yes, it does. makes my hair stand up though. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you like my wife. You were wishing it was the big husky fireman, you know, without the shirt carrying the axe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Instead of the Indian chief, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what comes, comes, right? <laughs> That's right. And it, it, whoever it is, it is. And so, it doesn't matter. Now, do these do these spirits, do they, they reach out to you if they've got a message that they want to be delivered, and like the Indian chief, for example, and they come to you in regard yes. to that? Do, do they give you an indication of who you need to deliver that message to or how that plays out? I asked them who what the person's name is, and they called her by a different name. I didn't know her real name. Hmm. So then I asked her to please come forward and that's she would meet me in my kitchen and a lot of the times and found out she enjoyed cooking very healthy foods and i eat very and cook and eat very healthy foods and then it was like she moved my head to the left and when i looked out i could see her children playing in the yard she had two boys and then i also i couldn't see what her killer looked like but i could see who helped in the removal of her body from her house. Excuse me. And then I'm like, who is this? And just one day I'm sitting on my love seat um, with my back up against the arm, with my feet on the cushions, looking towards the, touching the other, you know, arm of the love seat. And all of a sudden this vision came up and it was the and he did a ritualistic killing of the woman. And he, and I said, who are you? He said, how do you like my masterpiece? And the vision I had, most likely, most likely it ended up, it was her boyfriend. And the and vision, vision you had was what? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's okay. No, in the vision when I saw him perfectly and I spoke with a police officer, he said that was ritualistic because I had seen what he had done, but I will not say that. I know, I will not say that because they don't want your viewing audience to stop. I'll tell you after the interview what okay. it showed, if you're interested. But when I found, and con- it took me three months to find the family, and when she showed me a picture of the, sus- the suspect, it was him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that, and from that perspective, that's gotta bring you some, uh, some really good feelings that you were able to connect all of that, I think, and, and put it the was, puzzle pieces to together. Be, but you have to be careful who you contact because the family could be in on the killing. Yeah, unfortunately, that's, that is, yes. And it is. That was in this case, and I 
I'm not saying who or what, and I'm not writing about it. I took it off of YouTube and because I received a threat. You know, and, and that, I mean, that's, that's unfortunate as well because the truth sometimes needs to be out there. And realistically, if people are afraid of the truth, that means they're part of the lie. Um, in a, maybe that'll change in the future, in the near future. Hopefully the universe will present itself the opportunity for you to be able to share that again in such a manner that it, it will bring out a positive result. Um, let's talk a little bit more if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. Running out of time. Let's talk about your books. I know that you you've got more than thirty. There is there unfortunately not enough room on here to put that. But I did pick these two, uh, mm -hmm. my journey as a gray hybrid, and then uh, the other one I think is the visionary life. You are writing like um, another series in regard to that as well. So if we can touch on those, I would appreciate it. Okay, on uh, my visionary life. That's volume one, and there wasn't enough pages to put it into a paperback, so it's only available on Kindle. And I started volume two when I got hijacked to write my journey as a gray hybrid. Not really hijacked, but let's just say detoured. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I am, so I'm writing that on um, my visionary life that has to do with healings and the visions that I receive regarding cold cases or other things that I am re receiving. The one that I'm right, the sequel to my journey as a gray hybrid is extraterrestrial, um, metaphysical, I believe also paranormal experience encounters for the year 2023 that has pictures of UFOs that I have seen up in the sky, um, visions that I've had parallel metaphysical experiences of, of being on different um, planes time traveling into my parallel and parallel lives that I've lived. And, you know, some that are, you know, the energy touches. So that one will be, you know, coming out as well. I'm doing what I can not to overlap. The introduction in my visionary life is a very condensed version of the introduction in my journey as a gray hybrid that is similar and more expanded. But I'm hoping, I'm doing my best not to overlap the sequels to these books in each other because I don't want someone to say, oh, she said that in the other book and this book is a waste of money. It was a waste of my money. So I'm, I'm doing what I can to keep them completely separate. And also in my visionary life, I talk about healings that I'm able you know, to give with like a couple of horses and some examples of people that I have healed, that have been the instrument of healing. That's amazing. And I'll make sure that the um, link to that, obviously people who are watching this can see the scroll across the bottom, but I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes so that everybody can just follow that link. It'll take them right to your link tree. And on that okay. link tree, they can make a selection as to what they want to explore with you, whether it be your blog, you have a, 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 you have a blog on there, you've got some other journeys on there that you can listen to and watch. And, um, as well as how to get the books and where to get them and all that kind of thing. So I'll make sure it's all in within there. This is one more thing before you go. So before we go, are, are there any words of wisdom that we can share with anybody about anything that we just talked about? Yes. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Just because people or species or entities are different than you, don't be mean to them. We used to be a very united country, and now we are a very divided country. If you don't look like me, act like me, or talk like me, yep. therefore, you're an outcast. You might need that person's help one day to save your life. So, you know, don't let pride well up and say, well, I'd rather die than have them help me. You never know. Let's all be united. Let's embrace the unity. The reason why we are divided is because of deep state our, and our government and the other governments to bring about their agenda. Let us all reunite again. You don't have to become someone's best friend, but kindness matters. Amazing words of wisdom. Thank you very much for sharing those. Uh, I think that everybody needs to uh, listen to that several times to make sure they 
really can get that message and help share that message. Now, one more question, mm-hmm. just so we can close this out with a, with an answer to this. Is there life outside of our Earth? Yes. I believe there is as well. So, Gloria, thank you very much for sharing your experience. Thank you very much for sharing your journey, your wisdom, and uh, your words. I appreciate them very much. Thank you for being on the show, and I look forward to having another conversation down the road with you. Same here. Thank you, Michael. Uh, And one more thing before you go, have a great day, have a great week, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.